We are going to finish up. This is our final uh, installment on the book of Matthew that we've been doing for two years. This is lesson 58. <laughs> so we've been at this for a while. And, uh, and then we'll be done. And then uh, we will uh, <clears throat> focus in on Christmas for the rest of December. Now, this is, uh, these are the final teachings of Jesus as recorded by Matthew before he begins his, uh, you know, passion. He gets betrayed and arrested and crucified, raises from the dead. We talk about that every year. That's why we're stopping at this point. We skipped over the Christmas story at the beginning and the suffering at the end because that we do annually. And uh, this will be the final teaching on Matthew. Um, the reason we did this is uh, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Uh, and uh, a lot of people have really dumbed that down over the last 20, 30 years. We think, well, all you got to do is just tell people to believe in Jesus and pray a prayer. Uh, well, that's certainly part of it, but that's not all there is to it. We're supposed to make disciples of all nations. That means disciplined followers, which is not a popular message today. We're Americans. We don't like discipline. Uh, but that's what we need to do. And Jesus said, go into all the world, teaching them to obey everything I told you to obey. That's why we've been doing this. And it, it's been very insightful, at times very sobering. Clearly, there's a lot of things that we do that we ought not to be doing. There's things we should do that we've not done. And, uh, and these final teachings. Now, Jesus is talking about the end of, of the world. Chapter 24 was all about the end times. And then these final three teachings he gives in chapter 25 um, and ends with this one on basically judgment day and nothing says Merry Christmas like judgment day so it's a little bit of a downer today so <laughs> roll with me on this we'll get all cheery starting next week all right so now three teachings the first one was the parable of the ten young ladies who were getting ready to celebrate the wedding feast Five of them, Jesus said, were ready to go. The other five were not. And uh, the ones that were not were, you know, locked out and they didn't get into uh, the, uh, the, the wedding feast, an analogy of people who won't get into the kingdom of God. It's a little creepy. Um, a lot of this has been creepy, quite frankly. The last month and a half of teachings has been a little creepy. It's supposed to be creepy. If you're not a little creeped up by this stuff, there's something wrong with you. Okay, because this is serious stuff. We want to be ready. The first parable was about be ready. And here's the kicker. You can't tell the difference between uh, the five legit girls and the five that were not. You couldn't tell the difference between the ones who were ready and the ones that were not. You couldn't tell the difference between the ones who were real and the ones who were phonies. And that's very much an analogy of the kingdom of God. It's not our job to go around and try and figure out who is and who isn't. But we need to challenge each other to be serious about these things. Um, you need to be the real deal. And you need to ask yourself, am I the real deal? Again, if some of this doesn't bug you, it, it, there's something wrong with you. Even when I'm teaching, it bugs me. I think, Lord, you know, am I the real deal? I want to make sure I'm the real deal and I'm not being a phony. Lots of people talk a good talk, but they don't walk the good walk. Oh, they're so spiritual. But when it really comes down to living it, they're a mess. Then he gives the next parable, one we talked about last week. This is the parable where he says a guy comes and he entrusts his wealth to three different guys and tells them to go out and do something with it. The first one, uh, after the 
master comes back. He doubled what the master had given him. And the second guy, he doubled what the master had given him. Comes to the third guy, he didn't do jack squat. He was afraid, the Bible says. Jesus said in the parable. He was afraid. Didn't want to make a mistake. And I talked about last week how this, uh, in my opinion, and great concern, is what we have created in the Christian community today. We've literally, and I say we, I'm talking about pastors and teachers and elders over the last 30, 40 years, in, in American churches in particular, have overtaught uh, uh, in such a way that we've literally created the last guy. People who sit around and do nothing. And we've done this through our teaching by saying, and it sounds so spiritual, you know, yeah, listen to the Lord. You got to listen to God. Do what God tells you what to do. Oh, you got to listen to the Lord. Don't you dare not do what God, you don't want to get outside the will of God. I mean, it actually put people in fear, in paranoia, and we have created fear. Jesus said that last person was filled with fear, didn't want to make a mistake, and didn't do anything. And we have created this today. And, uh, it is time that people knock themselves out of this silly thinking and realize God has given you gifts and abilities. You had better get on with it. You better be doing something with what he gave you to do. Well, I don't know what to do. Well, whatever you can find to do, do it. Don't be sitting around thinking, oh, I'm waiting for God and all this kind of stuff. And the Lord told me this and the Lord told me that. And, and by the way, you get around someone who always talks that way, get away from them. I mean that sincerely. There's, there's something wrong with them. You know, it's, it's, at a minimum, it's arrogance. Okay? At a minimum. You know, it's pride. You don't need to be announcing God told me this and God told me that. Even if God did tell you. You don't got to know God told me. But in, in truth of the matter, it's, 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 it's just the Christian way of, of telling people not to challenge your thinking. It's the Christian version of stick it. Now, if you're not a Christian, just tell people to stick it, right? No problem. Just stick it out. But we're Christians. We can't say that, you know, so. So if we think in a certain way, well, we think this way because God told me. Well, if God told you, what can I say? So it's like, you know, stick it. Well, God told me this, and God told me that, and God, you know. The minute you talk like that, you're arrogant, you're pride. Nobody can speak into your life. Nobody can give you any advice because you're so brilliant. Of course, when your life falls apart, you know, there's, <laughs> I've often wondered how people justify when God tells them to do something, they do it and it fails. You know, I don't know how they figure this out, but anyway, they're just full of baloney. And listen to me. This has been become the great cop-out among the Christian community. It sounds so stinking spiritual. Just pray about it. Just pray about it. Just do what God tells you what he wants you to do. And I'm telling you, we have neglected the word of God. I'm talking pastors who do this, much less people in the church. If you go to anybody for advice, and their advice to you is, well, you just need to pray and do what God tells you to do. Get away from them. Go find someone who's got a brain and who knows the scriptures and who can give you advice. By the way, when someone asks you for advice, you're supposed to give them some advice. Somebody say amen. And you tell them, just pray about what God says. It sounds so spiritual that it's not advice. So, well, I don't know what to tell. Well, then just admit it. Say, you know what? I'm dumb as a doorknob and I don't know what to do. Go ask somebody else. Go, and if you're serious, go ask the pastor. I'm telling you, we've... I'm, this really irritates me. It is the ultimate cop-out today. Well, you know, I, I know, I know I'm married and stuff, but I met this other lady at work, and she's really cute. We've been kind of fellowshipping, you know, and I wonder, you know, what do you think I should do? Do you know the number of Christians today who would tell that, well just, well, just pray about it. Just pray and do what God tells you to do. Seriously? 
The Bible's very clear. Thou shalt not commit adultery. You tell them, break it off. Get away from that idiot. What is the matter with you? I'm going to tell your wife, you big jerk, if you don't stop it. That's what you ought to tell them. Well, Christians do that today? No, 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 no. Can't do that. No, can't tell the wife. No, by the way, if you were the wife, would you want to know? If you were the wife, would you want to know? But you don't tell the wife. No, you're supposed to love your neighbor as you what? Love yourself. You'd want to know, but you won't tell her. Because you're a chicken, you're a coward. I'm just afraid of conflict. I just, oh, you know, I just pray about it. Well, brother, just pray about committing adultery. See what God wants you to do. <laughs> I have had it up to here with this nonsense. It is just pure foolishness. I know it sounds so spiritual. It is not spiritual. Should you pray? Of course you should pray. But when the Bible is very, very clear about what you should or should not do, and you send someone along the way, well, just pray about it, you are being a, a terrible, terrible person, in my opinion. You're not, you're leaving, they walk away as confused as when they came up to you. How is that helpful to people? And honestly, if you don't know what to do, just admit it. If you come to me and I honestly don't know, I'll tell you, man, it beats me. I, I don't know. I have no idea. I've tried that with people before. I mean, people come up with really strange scenarios. <laughs> I don't know, man. But generally speaking, you know the scriptures and you give people advice. You give them instruction. I got an email from a person this last week. I won't read their name. I don't know who it was, actually, because I didn't write down the name. But uh, this was great. Um, they wrote, said, you know, today you broke a darkness that has lived in me for many years. I am one of the people who've been sitting, waiting, believing. I was supposed to be sitting, waiting until God told me what to do. Again, we have done, and I don't think it's people's fault. I lay the blame of this at the Christian pastors and leaders and teachers on television and everywhere else who've gotten so, oh, you've got to do what God tells you. Listen to the Lord. Do what God tells you to do. We have literally created this third person where people have listened to pastors and they live in fear of the very thing Jesus warned us about. That's what I've been doing this all my whole life. I've been afraid to move, worried I would go outside of God's will for my life. Now, if you've never heard this, if you're new to your faith, thank God you haven't heard all this stupidity. But there are people who've literally taught, don't you dare get out of God's will. You get out of God's will, something terrible happened to you. And we've created this last person. I've been afraid to move, worried I'd go outside of God's will for my life. I've prayed and fasted, cried and been silent, searched scriptures for the solution to why God wasn't telling me, repenting, and nothing. Waiting, torn up inside, confused as to why I could not prove my sincerity and desire to God. Questioning my faith if it was real enough. After last Sunday's message, today that's all changed. Thank you. I know I will make some mistakes, but I am going to start doing and keep doing. Of course I know there's times where you need to be wait, wait and be still and stuff. They get it. But never again will I bury the treasure God has entrusted to me. Thank God. Here's the person I just I read this. I'm wow. Somebody gets it. Woo! Hallelujah. I was thrilled. So, number one, be ready. Number two, you better be doing something with what God gave you to do. And you sit around saying, well, I just, I just wasn't sure what God wanted me to do. It's not going to fly. And then he ends with this third one. We pick it up, verse 31, chapter 25, and then we're done with our study of Matthew. Jesus gives this final teaching according to Matthew. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. We all know there's going to be a judgment day. 
We say it every Sunday in the Apostles' Creed. He will come to judge the living and the dead, which pretty much covers most people. You're, <laughs> you're either living or you're dead. You know what I'm saying? One of those two. If you're living or dead, you're in this group. If you're a zombie, the undead, I'm not sure. You might escape, but anyway. So all these people come. Now, you know we're all going to have this day, right? We talk about this. And when we talk about Judgment Day and the end of the world, if this doesn't creep you out, there's something wrong with you. You should be creeped out. We all have to give an answer for our lives. What kind of answer are you going to give? Now, here's the thing. If you know you're going to take a big test, wouldn't you love to know the questions ahead of time? Right? Now, there's some tests that you take, you can actually know the questions ahead of time. Uh, you know, I'm a pilot. If you were to go get your pilot's license, you have to take a test. Uh, you can buy books with all the answers to all the questions that they will ask you ahead of time. Uh, which is fine by them. They want you to know all the answers, right? <laughs> now, the thing is, the, the book's this big, but the test is just this big, you know? So you have to study all the answers in hopes that you can get the ones they ask you right. So, uh, you know, that's fine. But I, you don't want to just go into a test and you have no idea what they're going to ask. You are headed for Judgment Day. Are you listening to me? I know it's a bummer message on the 1st of December. We will cheer up next week, all right? But you're going to be tested. You're going to face a gigantic test. Do you have any idea what the questions will be? Most of you, sadly, no. Well, I'm going to enlighten you this morning. This is what it's going to be. On this day, all the nations will be gathered before him. He will separate the people from one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right, bah, goats on his left. Don't they go bad, too? See, you can't tell again. That's the problem. You can't tell. It's like the other parable. You can't tell who's a what. Because they all sound the same. <laughs> what am I talking about? Okay. Then the king will say to those on his right, all the sheep, come, you who are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty. And you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When, when did we see you a stranger and invite you in? Or needing clothes and clothe you? When did you see... When do we see you sick or in prison and go and visit you? And the king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger. You didn't invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. And they also will answer, I would think more intensely. When did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick and in prison? It didn't happen. When, when did we do that? And he will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. What's the big filter? What are the big questions on that day? Did you feed the hungry? 
Did you quench the thirsty? Did you welcome the lonely? Did you clothe those who needed clothing? Did you care for the sick? Did you visit people in prison? You see, the bottom line, and we have seen this throughout the teachings of Jesus, throughout the whole book of Matthew as we've looked at it, and it's basically this. Your love for God is reflected directly in proportion to your love for other people. Now, we are great at deceiving ourselves. There is no deception quite like self-deception. We all deceive ourselves. We think we're fine, usually deceiving ourselves. But the reality is, how do you feel about other people? How do you treat others? How do you feel towards people that you know, much less the ones you don't know? Because the kicker here is this is all in the don't know category. When he said, feed the hungry, yeah, I fed my kids this morning. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking people you don't know. Thirsty people you don't know. Lonely people maybe don't have any friends or family. You know anybody like that? Did you invite them over for Thanksgiving dinner on Thursday? Clothes for those in need. Caring for the sick. When was the last time you ever went to a jail and visited someone in jail? Maybe people you don't even know. Last year? Last 10 years? I know the answer. For most of us, it's never. We need to take this seriously. You know, one of the challenges for pastors, we're supposed to encourage, build up, teach, but we're also supposed to warn. Paul wrote boldly and confidently to the church. He said, you know, I warned you guys. I warned you. I warned you with tears, he said, I warned you. I don't like these kinds of messages, but they're important. I would do a great disservice if I never talked about these things. What are you doing? What are you doing with what God gave you? Are you even loving the people you know? I mean, most people, we can't even handle that. Right? Nobody's more irritating than the people we know. And we live under this delusion. I don't have to be nice if they're not being nice to me. Right? We think, if someone's not nice to me, I don't have to be nice to them. It's the get out of jail free card. But it is not. Everybody likes nice people. We all like nice people. I like that guy. He's a nice guy. Everybody likes the nice guys. It's the jerks everybody can't stand. I don't have to be nice to him. You know, how do you, how do you treat your neighbor? Well, I like this neighbor over here. They're nice. Some of them, I can't stand it. This dog always poops in my yard. Hey, your dog pooped in my yard. I don't have to be nice, Pastor. There's, there's poop involved. <laughs> Once there's poop involved, all bets are off. Look, you can still challenge your neighbor. Dude, come on, man. <laughs> Clean up the poop at least. But to get nasty, to get mean. You know, I've ridden with Christians, huh? None of you here, so. Because <laughs> I don't ride with you in cars. But uh, I've, I've been with people in church. We've just come out of church. And they're on their way home driving and somebody cuts in front of them. And they just lose it. They go psycho crazy. It's so bike. They just came out of church. 
you're number one. You know, they're waving number one at them. You know. <laughs> Seriously. Well, you just got in front of me. I hate that. Stop it. Not nice to me, you know. <laughs> We think we don't have to be nice. Get out of jail free card. Reminds me of so many women that I know who treat their husbands with great disrespect. Despite the Bible being incredibly clear that they should do great respect. But I don't have to respect because he's not this and he did that and he did that one time and he's got a present son of present. Real quick to point out all of his mistakes and all of his failures and all of, I don't have to listen to him. I don't have to listen to him. Really? You think that's going to fly? See, we think because someone does something, I'm off the hook. I don't have to do it. You're wrong. You're just wrong. You want to listen to me? Do what you want. I don't care. You're the one who's going to have to answer for what you do. I'm just telling you, and I'm warning you, just because someone is not nice to you doesn't mean you don't have to be nice back. Well, I don't, I don't believe that. Well, of course not. There's no deception like self-deception. You know, the Bible is very clear. If you cannot love the person you can see, you cannot love God whom you cannot see. Let me say that again. If you can't love, the Bible says, if you can't love the people you can see, then you cannot love God whom you cannot see. There's people who reject that out of hand. I don't believe that. You can't say that. I, I love Jesus. I just wish my husband would die and go to hell. Really? Boy, you must be a joy to be around. <laughs> I don't have to do I don't have to do I don't have because of that. Yeah. No deception like self-deception. Look, we all challenge, we all deal with this stuff. You know, I read this stuff and it bums me out. I go, ah. You know, I, it's easy for me to, I can handle the people I know. The bummer of this is this is all in the don't know category. Because I, I don't have a lot of patience with people I don't know. I have my issues. <laughs> you know what really drives me crazy? Dealing with people on the phone. You know, you order something from some stupid company. And they got an idiot who works on the other line to help you. Man, I, I lose it sometimes. I really do. And I got to repent later. So you gotta, I've actually called back people on the phone, asked for that person I was talking to, and had to apologize to them. They probably thought I was crazy, but I felt so guilty because I just, I wanted to kill them. <laughs> Which makes me a hypocrite, right? Because I'd never do that if it was you. If I knew you knew who I was, I would never do that. It's only when I know you don't know who I am. And then I, oh, like the time at Walgreens. <laughs> I don't know who these people are they hire. You know, do you train them at all? Or just see whether or not they can fog up a mirror 
Yep, they're alive. Okay. <laughs> so I'm at Walgreens, and it's actually it's the one just right down here. You know. <laughs> and and I'm, there's some Nimrod on the other side of the counter. I mean, this guy is just dense beyond dense, and I'm I'm getting irritated. I I you know you can feel the pressure rising, you know. And, my wife starts to walk away from me because she knows what's coming, you know. <laughs> Praise God, yes. I think I'll go shopping down this aisle over here, you know. Of course, I feel totally justified because I am justified in my behavior. And I walk up to the counter and I am getting ready to just let it loose on the sky. When suddenly he looks up to me and goes, Hey, aren't you that pastor on TV? <laughs> Do you know what I did? Actually, yes, I am. Yes, I am. <laughs> which, which makes me a big phony and a hypocrite. And I had to repent later. Oh, Lord, forgive me. This is... Look, we all deal with this stuff. I get it. But just because we fail doesn't mean it's okay. We don't make ourselves better by lowering the bar. You know, that's what we all do. We try to lower the bar. We want to be graded on a curve. You know, I love curves. <laughs> the broader the curve, the better I did in school. Because <laughs> I thought I wasn't quite as dumb. <laughs> but there's no curve with God. There's right and there's wrong. And when it's wrong, we've got to make it right. And say, you know what? I'm, I'm sorry. Help me, God. Are you loving people? Are you feeding the hungry? Are you doing any of these things? You know, we raised money for that water thing in the South America and stuff, and we sent a group of people down. That was awesome. And I think when you give financially, at the minimum, at least give money to these things. You know? And share at least in that. At least at that point, yeah, Lord, I did help do it. Now, I think you ought to actually physically go do it. At least once. I mean, once, you know, we got prison ministries. Have you ever gone to the guys at the prison ministry? Hey, man, can I uh, go with you one, one, one Sunday and, and, and visit the guys at the prison? Your entire life, you can't do it one time. We got mission trips. We go on mission trips. We send guys from Stevens Point, Appleton here. We're all going around. Even like the wealth thing, you know. Go, go. You can't go once. Your whole life, one time. Your life is that that intense you can't break away for a week listen we're going to be asked about these things at a minimum make sure that you support it financially we even have a category for it I don't know if you guys ever even noticed the category it's in such a small type but on our authoring envelopes we have the tithe that's your weekly giving Biblically speaking, it's supposed to represent 10% of your income. Of course, we don't believe in the Bible today, so. Uh, we give one-tenth of one percent. You know, there's, there, there's still a tenth involved. You know, it's a tenth of one percent. So I kind of tithe. It's a kind of New Testament tithing. You know. <laughs> then we've got the go beyond and, and the missions. And then there's this thing called compassion. Have you ever noticed it? Underneath it, you can even specify to the prison ministry or, or to the hospital visitation. 
these are the kinds of things. You just that, give that little extra. You, you give what, and then, then yeah, I'm going to give a little extra just to help people. To help who? The, the hungry, the thirsty, those who need some clothes, those who come to the church say, I'm really in a, in a hard time. Can you help? First thing we do is we ask, do we have anything in the benevolence fund? If we don't, we can't help you. Yeah, yeah, we, you know, got, we got a thousand dollars there, you know. Well, cut them a check for a couple hundred bucks, help them out through their rough time. You help in that way. But no matter how you do it, you need to do it. We all need to do it. We will all give account someday of how we lived. And I know we all have our reasons to do the wrong thing. But it never makes it right. We have to do the right thing no matter how people treat us. No matter what they say to us. We need to honor God's word no matter what our circumstances. We certainly need to love the people we know. But we also need to be very careful not to forget those we don't know. You don't want to be in that group on that day that goes... What? what I, I, I didn't do that to you. When, when did I forget to give you any food or anything? And they'll say, hey, when you didn't do that for the ones around you, you didn't do it for me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the teachings that we've been able to focus on. These last two chapters have been a little tough, Lord. It's all about the end and how we will all give account the living and the dead, for how we live. Help us to take this seriously. Lord, not under compulsion or heaviness, but just out of a concerned heart. Help us not to deceive ourselves. There's no deception like self-deception. It's just the worst. We convince ourselves we're absolutely right in doing the wrong thing. Help us to stop that. Open our eyes. Help us to realize we've got to do the right thing no matter what. And help us to love and to reach out. It costs us something. It'll either cost us our time, our energy, our money. But it'll always cost to help others. Help us to be willing. Bless us, Lord, so that we can be generous to those in our lives. But help us to take care and not to forget all the needs that are around us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen.